Sanjay, welcome to the Commerce Talks podcast. Today it's going to be a spicy podcast. We talk about spice kitchen, the spice market, the hype around spice business models in Europe. Uh, um, and uh, before we are diving into that market and the numbers, please tell the listeners who are you and what actually is Spice Kitchen. Sure. So Spice Kitchen, um, we're based in Liverpool in the UK. Uh, so we're a British business. Um, we're a spice company and we started 10 years ago, actually. So the business started as a little retirement hobby for my mum. And what started as a very small idea um, and something that I thought would keep her busy for a few hours a week has turned into something a little bit bigger. Um, we're spice manufacturers, so we we import spices and we we blend them and make our own spice blends, which is kind of what we're known for. And we've also created our own gift sets of spices. I think that's kind of our niche, really, or historically has been our niche. Um, and within the gift sets, we specialize in Indian spice tins. So these kind of stainless steel round spice tins with uh, seven kind of smaller pots inside. And we've created collections of spices. So or your Indian for Indian cuisine, Middle Eastern. We even got one for like gin botanicals. So we've got different collections. And then my mum cuts up silk sari fabric and hand makes these beautiful gift wraps for the boxes. So we've turned it into kind of a really handmade, sought after foodie gift. Um, and our business operates online as well as through reselling wholesale to various retailers um, in the UK and internationally. Nice. Uh, and, and why did your mom start the business like 10 years ago? Was there already a, a demand? Was she selling spices on a, on a market square somewhere? Where, where does it come from? So the business started actually as a retirement hobby idea for her. So it started actually on Christmas Day 2012. Uh, my mum had been retired for probably five, six years at this point and was a bit bored. She'd done a lot of traveling and was raising grandkids and stuff, um, but she was looking for something to do. She's um, She was actually born in Kenya, raised in India and has been in the UK for kind of like 50 years. So she's amazing cook, and really, really good. Um, we do actually own a hundred year old spice grinder that's kind of been in our family for so long. And um, my mum's had it for like inherited it kind of 50 years ago well, what is that um, a spice grinder yeah it's like a, it was a british made manual kind of cast iron um spice mill it's actually mm -hmm. sitting here a few meters away from me um but yeah it's a it's a it's kind of a a relic really of of times gone by i think probably originally it was meant for coffee if i'm honest um But as I say, it's traveled around the British Empire with my family. And um, yeah, so it's Christmas Day 2012. I came up with this idea for my mum that she could sell like an Indian spice tin with all of the homemade blends in it. And everyone thought it was a bit of a silly idea. So I took a picture of my mum's tin and put a listing on eBay on Christmas Day. And we woke up on Boxing Day the day after and somebody had bought one. So um, the rest, as they say, is history. But um, Yeah, it started as a really, really small idea. Um, and then we, we operated in a very kind of small way for a few years um, online. Um, but then I don't know what happened. There was a bit of a tipping point and suddenly we, we started scaling. So, and, and can you tell us a bit the, the, how the consumer usually um, bought spices uh, before the consumer knew about Spice Kitchen? Because if I remember the time before the um, booming um, spice startups in, in Germany, it was kind of a very boring market. In the, and you bought spices in the supermarket. The, the packaging was 
underwhelming uh, um, i would say the, the the range of spices was you know everything was what what would fit like in this one meter shelf environment that it was a spice section and now it becomes kind of a uh, a lifestyle thing so the spice shelf is, is is growing there's there's more spice choice there's the packaging is much much better so how was the spice buying situation in the, in the uk supermarket in uh, 10 years ago well it's that's a really really good question actually i mean generally spices actually is it's a very well developed market in the us um you tend to find spice is developed especially where they've got good weather because of barbecuing as well so the us is way further ahead of the uk they not only have spice blends for cooking but they've got a massive range of barbecue type products with amazing packaging lots and lots of options from the supermarket all the way down to your kind of high street deli even though we've been going 10 years, I would say the market is still quite stagnated uh, in terms of the, the UK. You still have the supermarkets dominating to a certain extent. A lot of them have got their own range of kind of spice blends. And it's fairly basic stuff. Like it's still very basic, as you're saying, packaging on a shelf. Um, there's been a little bit of innovation in the market, but I would say it's not really been developed. And that's a good thing because we still see it as an opportunity for us to really disrupt this market. Um, we've never though for the last 10 years ever wanted to disrupt it in the supermarkets because they're quite you know there's a lot of risk there but also they are quite keen on kind of actually building their own ranges um where we've always sort of tried to differentiate is we want customers to come shop online with us um the key thing i would say about spices though is a lot of the stuff that's made out there has been sitting in a factory or a warehouse somewhere for a long time even if it reaches the shelf because shel because spices have a long shelf life so a factory in india could be blending making a indian spice blend but it might be sitting there for a year way before it gets packaged and hits the uk so the quality out there is really poor still i would say um and it's very mixed as well so you could go into a supermarket you could buy that garam masala one day and it could be really fresh and then you could buy it two weeks later and it's pretty poor but there's no consistency what we do is we get really good the best quality raw spices that we can in we hand blend them and we we make them really fresh. Um, so we process them fresh, we sell them fresh, everything's small batch. Um, and I would say that's still the difference from the quality side of it. Um, from the packaging side, as you say, it's still, there's nothing really that uh, amazing being done in the UK. Um, there was a company called Bart's based down in Bristol, but they sold to a big, um, I think it was a big German uh, conglomeration as well. Um, and they have quite good quality spices in some of the supermarkets. But um, other than that, you know, I would still say, it's not great. There's a lot more that can be done. Um, and hopefully we're doing something in the space, which is more interesting. So you say uh, you're focusing on direct consumer uh, business. You're not in the wholesale business. So there's no no spice kitchen merchandise in UK supermarkets available. Is this correct? Not supermarkets. No, we've, we've really focused on the independents. So our products are in maybe three to four. 400 500 independent stores we are in lakeland uh tin which is a cook shop here uh which is really big um and we're in lots of garden centers and farm shops delis but all independent so we always said to ourselves that we would stay away from the supermarkets and focus on the independents only uh we have got our products into waitrose in dubai in the middle east and we've just again secured this week a distributor in belgium um to distribute our products so again the delhi independent market not supermarkets um 
but no, we've kind of stayed clear of the, the big guys. And, and, and why do you think was it possible to create a, a business in that niche? Because usually what we've seen in, in all over Europe there in, in the last like 10, 15 years, there was more focus on like regional product, products, which is hard to do with spices. Obviously, you need to um, import a lot of like, uh, a lot of the raw materials, but uh, a better product, higher product quality. So I would have I would have assumed that the the big spice manufacturers, the importing uh, um, companies would have developed um, high quality lines, or let's say where where the where the standard spice is uh, three times the price compared to the supermarket supermarket spice. But but you say that that wasn't the case. So so you you you're really like new in in the niche. So where is the demand coming from then? Actually, so why why did it kick off with your mom's initial retirement business? I guess the it's a, it's a, it's an interesting question, really. I mean, our business has only ever responded to demand. Like we've never gone after those big guys. We've done some trade shows in the last four or five years, but for the first five years, we only grew organically and it was da completely down to word of mouth. And as soon as we manufactured our blends and people started buying them, they were like, oh my God, this is like, we've never tasted anything like this. We've never smelled anything like this. And a lot of our customers said, as soon as Spice Kitchen even gets posted through the letterbox and they were upstairs, they could literally smell spices on their doorstep in the packaging, in the bag, in the bag, which is quite true. So there was clearly a difference in terms of the smell. And then obviously in terms of the taste, it's a lot more kind of potent is the best word to, to use. Um, so we only ever grew because people loved the quality of what we did. And those who care about their quality of the ingredients, some people probably, I guess are appealing to more of a experienced cook possibly. Um, like we'll never buy spices from anywhere else again. So we were definitely looking, we were definitely appealing to a more of a customer who cares about the quality of products that go into their food. But as I say, for the first three, four years, we only ever responded to demand and our business just grew really through word of mouth. And obviously we sold on platforms like eBay and um, we had repeat customers coming to buy them regularly from there. And then customers said, oh, why don't you build your own website and can we pick and mix from your range of spices? So we kind of responded and then we did stuff as our customers told us to do stuff. Um, I guess things did change. I mean, we were approached by a supermarket back in 2014 and we weren't retail ready. We had no barcodes, no packaging, nothing. And so as sad as it was, we got really, really excited and realized we weren't retail ready at all. And we didn't even have any food safety at the time in terms of a, we didn't have our own premises or anything. So we realized there was a lot of boxes that we couldn't tick in order to supply them. But we kind of knew then that actually there was a demand from retailers who wanted our products, certainly the gift sets anyway. And so we started to do a lot of those food gifting shows as opposed to the food shows and that's why a lot of our products are actually sitting within gift shops and uh the cook shops um where we're probably being slightly less focused on again supermarkets and the kind of delis um a lot of our businesses sit as gifts and a lot of them sell in the last few months of the year how, how big is your business today when, when you're talking like revenues uh, number of people working for your business there's 15 people uh, so yeah there's 15 of us and we're growing pretty quick so we've we've tripled in size in the last three years um, um, and we're certainly growing every year. Uh, COVID, uh, the whole situation's been tough from a structural operational perspective. Um, we've got a couple of staff off with COVID at the moment, actually. Um, but from a, a growth perspective, it's really helped us to grow, especially because everyone was furloughed, lots of people being at home. And actually a lot of people, a lot of our kind of more rare spices that people don't buy all the time, people were dusting off cookbooks and suddenly wanting to cook with more kind of weird and wonderful spices. So we've really, really seen a lot of those customers come back and shop all at the same time with us. And that's really allowed us to grow, um, like a lot of other food businesses in the last two years who were, who were selling online. 
how many how many manufacturers do you need for running your your business because i guess there's like different regions in the world where you need to buy the raw materials so how many manufacturers are you working with um today so we're working with well we we buy through uk um big spice houses uh we've probably got six or seven different um importers uh that we work with um Yeah, there's there's quite a lot of good quality spices coming into the UK. The, the challenge really is all about sourcing and making sure you've got the best quality. So sometimes we'll buy, say, example, cumin from a supplier um, and he'll have worked with a, man, a farmer, which we obviously don't have any connection with, and it's a really good crop. And then come the next year, we've got the same supply, same company and their quality is quite poor. Um, and again, that might be down to lots of global factors in which farm they're buying from. So we do chase the quality around the different suppliers. And we know as long as we get the best quality raw spices in, we can make the best quality spice blends at the end of the day. So we're looking for freshness and quality and, and, and all of those things. So um, color and taste. So Are there based uh, because of COVID or now the Ukrainian war, any supply chain um, issues in the spice industry? Um, luckily, not so much that we've experienced, actually. I was expecting there to be um, problems with um, supply chain with spices, but there really, really isn't. The main thing is cost. I mean, costs have gone up um, of everything, um, and that's down to brexit and covid and all those factors global shortage of everything um the big hit is really on shipping uh we manufacture our indian spice tins in india and shipping costs have gone from like 1500 dollars to for a container to kind of nearly ten thousand dollars so um plus obviously fuel now is is going up quite a lot which it is is we don't have a lot of we don't have like major drivers or um you know major vehicles internally but obviously everybody we work with does so um so the costs have gone up because of fuel but hopefully that's a temporary a temporary thing can you tell us a bit more about like your existing um, um customer strategies or so right now if i'm uh, visiting the spice kitchen uh, uk.com shop i see like a lot of reviews on uh trust pilot so um it feels like it's it's more than word of mouth uh and now maybe there's even some online marketing spendings uh behind and or or, or or tv commercials that are driving the uh, customers to your online shop Yeah, no, our business is a bit different now. So we, with marketing, it's a tough one because there's a lot of things you can do. Uh, but we we focus on a few things. We we've, I guess we've doubled down on the stuff that works and scrapped the stuff that doesn't. Um, obviously, we've got a good website. We've built on Spy, so we've got a really good website. And actually, that's just been re, uh, relaunched in the coming weeks. I've been working on a new site for the best part of a year. Um, We do a bit of social media, so we try to share our brand story on social. That's the key thing, really. That's more for brand awareness um, rather than driving sales um, and also keeping our customers in tune with what's going on and all the new developments. Um, we're very, very strong on PR. So I've got friends who are journalists and they told us from really from the start that, you know, we should get our story down and, and journalists will be really interested in our in our story, um, especially being a mum and son team and talking about retirement and small business um, sort of expanding. Um, so that's always worked really really well for us and we've we've been featured in lots and lots of websites and we've even got onto bbc um a cooking show called the hairy bikers and places like that so that's been really really exciting um and led to lots of opportunities um we have done some advertising in the past on facebook on social but it didn't really work with a lot of the changes that have happened with ios and tracking um, but we do work with google ads because uh you know we've got a quite a niche product and we want somebody to be searching for indian spice boxes or certain keywords within our our business to find us so we do have a bit of a spend on google ads 
Um, and then, yeah, making sure we've just got a really good user-friendly website. Um, customer service is key for us. So any mistakes, any problems, we try and sort them out straight away. And our KP key KPI is those Trustpilot reviews. Uh, we probably gathered, as I say, two and a half thousand positive reviews in the best part of, uh, I don't know, a year and a half. So um, we really strive to deliver on the customer service side because we're all about acquiring customers but actually keeping them so we try and really give the best customer experience so when somebody opens our products um, they love how well packaged it is how perfect it is we do handwritten cards in every single order uh, we do often sometimes do discounts um, to for repeat purchases so we really try to have a really good customer uh, customer focus um, and as I say that is an extension of the um, the kind of word of mouth marketing that we've always done um, and yeah, we've just actually secured and managed to convince a big publisher to to um, take give us a publishing deal. So um, six years ago, we were thinking about this and then maybe a two years seriously. But uh, yeah, a very big cookbook publisher um, in the UK has decided to give us a contract. So we are um, starting that journey. Um, got a few months to write that and work on recipes and uh, we'll have copies in our hands, hopefully in a year's time. Exactly. So. So. Um... The the spice um, businesses I saw in Europe really grew because of their wholesale uh, um, operations, um, because it's easy to get to new customers because the packaging is very different. And uh, with a smart influencer strategy in Germany, one company um, called Ankerkraut did it via the um, German version of Shark Tank. That's actually how customers could get the product, which, which is way easier uh, in your case. So, so have you ever thought about the wholesale um, um, strategy? Yeah, we've definitely considered it in the past. Um, I think a couple of things. One, we grew the business really. We wanted to keep 100% share of it, right? So we were never looking to kind of be a company which seeks investment and runs at a loss um, because we wanted to reinvest the profits in the business and grow in a more organic way. Um, sometimes that's maybe difficult if you're going to go scale up very fast. Um, and with that becomes risk, right? So if you're going to go down that route, there's always a risk. So, you know, we were doing the business from a, a love for spice and love for what we do. We didn't want to bring in risk that could potentially mean um, we're at play of, you know, going with a big supermarket and they drop you tomorrow and then you're, you're out you're out of business. So, um, so that was never our business model. The other thing was space, right? We worked from home for a number of years. Uh, we had a small unit for three years um, till last April and we could only do so much in there. We were already at capacity, um, certainly when it came to our Christmas season uh, where we're extremely busy with the business. Um, but now we have moved into a bigger, a bigger space really uh, last year which is four or five times as big, we were able to buy the unit. So we're out the renting cycle. Um, and yeah, we can do a lot more here. But again, looking at kind of where we currently are, there's so many opportunities where we've got a lot of retailers contact, contacting us, uh, wanting to list our products. And there's a lot of different kind of things we're growing on. And certainly with the with the cookbook next year, that's going to um, give us more of a global brand name. Um, so yeah, there's lots of opportunities always, and I think we've, we will always be considering going down the supermarket route, but we'll probably still only do it when it's less of a risk for us, and we've got um, and we're, we're weighing up that risk reward type thing. 
I think also because our reputation is all based around quality and we don't want our spices sitting on a shelf for a particularly long period of time, we found it's very difficult to do with the supermarkets. You know, they want very, very shelf life, but they want quite long lead times to sell the product. So we don't want a customer to have picked up our product off a shelf where it's been sitting there for six months because we go against everything we ever stood for. Um, so you've got to be quite careful about that. So, you know, I guess it depends on what you want from your business, how much risk you're willing to take, how much investment you, you think you want. And if you're looking to exit as well, you know, a lot of these companies are looking to grow scale fast. If it works fine, if it doesn't, they go out of business. But if it does work, they've got a big sale and they move on and do something else. So I guess it depends on what your strategy is. Is it possible for me, like as a German resident to buy your products because of Brexit issues? No, it's no problem at all, actually. You can buy them online. Um, it's very cheap to buy the spices, for example. It'll cost you a few euros shipping. So, no, there's no issues at all, actually. Okay, I will, I will, I will try that out. What about the other channels? You mentioned eBay already. Um, can I find uh, Spice Kitchen uh, merchandise on Amazon? Very much so, yeah. No, Amazon's always been a, a part of our business. Um, it's a great acquisition tool for us. It's a great platform to sell on, actually. Um, I mean, it's in a way, it's another Google. They've obviously, you know, get get linked directly from Google search um, and Google shopping. But um, you know, it's a, it's it's a it's a big entity in itself that you can't avoid. So yeah, we very much sell on Amazon as well um, directly. Um, we actually sell across a number of other platforms, from gifting marketplaces like Not in the High Street to international marketplaces like Etsy, with a lot of European and US customer shop. Um, so that makes it easier. And then some of the niche kind of food or, or kind of gifting marketplaces in the UK. Um, so yeah, as long as it kind of meets our brand guidelines, we, we do list on a number of platforms. Um, but that in turn drives a lot of repeat custom back to our own website. And from the 15 people working for Spice Kitchen, how many people are um, focusing on this kind of digital um, user experience, your own online shop, Amazon, eBay, Etsy, so how online marketing, how many people are doing this? Uh, possibly none of those, actually. Um, a lot of the Amazon, we've got an Amazon consultant. We've got an external um, digital guy who does Google and SEO. Um, One of my team is head of communications. So she's a comms person. So she's really a, a content writer. So she handles the PR side uh, listings and um, working on content for SEO and for Google. But actually the technical stuff is all done externally by freelancers. When you're looking at your first customer cohorts, you said you started like 10 years ago. How stable are they? How loyal are the customers in terms of like re repeat, repeat buying behavior? Because you said, you're really like on the freshness side. So for a customer, it doesn't make sense to buy all the spices like for the next five years. So it needs to come back to you if he really wants to have this kind of fresh experience. So how does it work? Are the, are the, are the customers really loyal? Are they coming back or have you, have, you, uh, have you the task to find a lot of new customers in your business? Uh, we've definitely got a lot of loyal customers um, and we saw that actually two years ago as soon as COVID came. Firstly, we, as I say, we specialize in making small batch spices. Uh, a lot mm. of our spices are sold in small 20 gram bags. And so 20 grams, people think that's quite not very much. But again, with the quality that we have, it does last them a while. But we're trying to say buy them fresh, use them fresh and then restock. So it's, you know, free delivery over 10 pounds. So somebody buys six little bags of spices, it's free delivery. So we're saying, yeah, buy little, fresh and often. Don't buy big bags, a kilo which are already not fresh and then they're going to sit in your cupboard four or five years. You might be quite you know, keen to use those spices just because you know they're not going to 
harm you with spices being dry and and not really kind of um you know they they they're best before not kind of used by dates so um but there's no quality left in them there's no flavor left in your food so yeah we've definitely got a loyal a lot of loyal customers and and actually we weren't maybe we we didn't even know how loyal a base we had but the start of the first lockdown here in the UK which is kind of 2 years ago um we actually furloughed some of the staff so some of the staff we said look there's not going to be any work for you now so go home and then within two three weeks we call them all back in because suddenly everybody was being furloughed from home um, people working from home here in the uk and lots of people were then home cooking again a lot more and lots of our loyal customers were buying from us and so we saw this massive surge of loyalty um with customers buying from us and all at the same time because what i would say is that our loyal customers buy as often as they want throughout the year so it's quite spread whereas we found this sudden surge which we wouldn't have ever really seen before where everybody was in the same situation at the same time thinking wow okay this is a time for me to focus on home cooking and um, those who knew knew us were were, were were certainly there some customers obviously a lot of customers were then seeking out good suppliers were thinking about all the products they buy um, and with people not wanting to go visit supermarkets as well um, they were looking for you know online options so they were less at risk of, of catching COVID so um, yeah we've definitely seen that loyalty and I would say um, it's been an amazing thing. Um, we obviously do acquire a lot of new customers, I'll say through word of mouth, people searching for top gift sets, um, searching for specific spices or spice blends. Um, but loyalty is really, really important for us. And I think there's maybe even a shift generally between acquiring new customers and now with all the changes that are happening with iOS and everything, people are like, oh, actually, it's as important to focus on your own customer base we've always been there we've always been doing that um acquiring customers has been important but never at the expense of servicing the people we already know what is your growth strategy in the next like two to three years more spices more sales channels more um, um more focus on new custom acquisition um yeah it's a mix really i would say the first thing is now we're here in this unit we are definitely moving away from being a, we're repositioning ourselves we're being away from just a gifting brand to certainly being more of this lifestyle brand we are focusing very much on our spice blends as our kind of key usp um, and the cookbook that's coming out next year we're actually going to give away all our recipes believe it or not for our spice blends which seems a bit crazy but the the, the book's really about how to um, cook with spices and if you've got i don't know a razel hanout from morocco you bought once and it's sitting in the back of your cupboard for, to make a tagine it's going to teach you how to adventurously and creatively use that spice blend so um and, and you know encourage people to be more adventurous um so we are launching all of our blends in single tins which the supermarkets may want but again we'll mainly be focusing on the independence with those products we've actually just got license so for alcohol to produce our own alcohol because we we already sell a lot of gin uh, botanicals and so it was an for us to actually launch our own range of gins um, which we're working on at the moment um, international is big for us so we already expanded into ireland and the middle east uh, we've just come back from belgium and secured a distributor there but we, we've, there's a big demand for our products in germany holland belgium and scandinavia um, so we're looking at going into those markets through international trade shows and, and by working and finding the right distributor to represent us um, and I think the cook we're really building now towards this cookbook. So we've got to, we've got to spend a lot of time and resources writing the book, making sure it's amazing for, you know, what the what we you know our customers want and, and new people want. Um, and then um, yeah, we've got a year's worth of work to do to get that and, and marketing and stuff around the book. So um, 
so yeah but also uh, another thing we're always considering new sales channels we're always looking at new retailers um smaller and bigger retailers in the uk and um, we do a lot of trade shows to try and secure those um and i'd say we're going to have a new website launching in the coming weeks hopefully so um that's going to be a lot more user friendly and have you have you been experimenting with uh, pop-up stores because that's something uh, where i would say this kind of um this the the, the smell of spices the taste you, you can really use to to draw new customers to your business obviously a, a very a very um resource heavy uh channel but um i, I could guess like in liverpool or in london st staying on a market and saying here you can taste uh, um, different like fresh spices would help you to find new customers Definitely. Yeah, no, I built the business doing a small market in Manchester, actually, um, kind of going back to the kind of mid uh, yeah, 2014, 2015, early days. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, it definitely works. Uh, we did a pop up with John Lewis last year in Liverpool, which was really successful. And actually, they, they potentially are looking to list our products. Um, we do a lot of consumer events uh, around Christmas time or a few consumer events where it's amazing. We've got to gain lots of loyalty and repeat customers. But again, we're very gift. We've always been very gift focused. So we only do those um, at the end of the year um but yeah it's definitely a consideration for us to kind of meet more customers face to face be that our market stalls or pop-ups or um yeah wherever we can wherever it's relevant what what do you think how big can the business grow in the next 10 years sure so i mean the business i guess can grow as big as we want it to um but i guess it's as big as we want it to so we, we as i said we moved into a new place i know we can do at least three or four times our capacity um for just because of the space that we have so we are looking to fill that capacity obviously um it comes down to how many people we want to manage internally as well so there's 15 of us already which is a great number um i think there's probably we could fit maybe double the amount of staff in this unit and a very comfortable number to manage um so yeah i guess it depends on lots of factors really um and um we will see which opportunities we decide to take and which we don't um but i certainly see as kind of growing continue to grow on our trajectory that we have done uh for the next few years um certainly for the next three four five years and after that i've no idea really i find it hard to think about where we'd be in 10 years really <laughs> um because i can never have predicted where we that we would be where we are today 10 years ago so what would you recommend for the listeners who really want to try out the um, spice kitchen spice what kind of initial package should they buy to really get the first best best possible experience That's a good one. Yeah. So we've got different collections, obviously, on the website. Um, one of our key ones is the world spices, um, because that actually represents all of our spice blends, which I mentioned we're known for. So within that set, you've got Indian blends, you've got, you know, Moroccan, Razzle, Hanout, Jerk, Mexican, um, Chinese and, and other Middle Eastern kind of more rare ones like Zatar and Harissa. That's a really, really good one. Um, all our collections actually come with a recipe guide already. So there'll be some inspiration in there for you to learn how to cook. And the world one is really good because it's great for vegetarians as well, because it's great for flavoring, you know, from your pulses through to your vegetables and, and um, you know, anything else. So yeah, it's great for vegetarians and they all double up as meat rubs as well. So, um, so yeah, maybe the world set is good and either as a, like a letterbox, if you're certainly in Europe, it's really cheap to receive that. Or if you're feeling a bit more kind of adventurous, then we have got the spice box to store it in as well. So nice so definitely i will try it out i will order now uh, a spice from your collection i will compare it to the standard spices i can get in the supermarket here in uh, in germany sanjay thank you for your time thank you thank you so much it's been a pleasure